I'd like to welcome all of you who are joining us for worship over online this day to our time together. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Pastor Leah, and I am the new pastor here at Calamus Lutheran Parish. I know Pastor Roberta had been doing uh, some variations of this online worship with all of you, and so today we are going to continue that as we begin our worship together. It'll be an abbreviated version of the service that we have on Sundays, either at Faith or Our Saviors. I welcome you to this time together, and let us pause to prepare our hearts and our minds for worship. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. God of all mercy and consolation, Come to the help of your people, turning us from our sin to live for you alone. Give us the power of your Holy Spirit that we may perfectly, that we may confess our sin, receive your forgiveness, and grow into the fullness of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Let us confess our sin in the presence of God and one another. Most merciful God, we confess that we are captive to sin and cannot free ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways, to the glory of your holy name. Amen. In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for us, and for his sake God forgives us all our our sins. As a called minister of the Church of Christ and by Christ's authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all your sins, In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Benevolent God, you are the source, the guide, and the goal of our lives. Teach us to love what is worth loving, to reject what is offensive to you, and to treasure what is precious in your sight. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Today we will listen to psalm to our psalm which is psalm 49 and then we will also listen to the gospel psalm 49 Hear this all you peoples give ear all you who dwell in the world you of high degree and low rich and poor together my mouth shall speak of wisdom and my heart shall meditate on understanding I will incline my ear to a proverb and set forth my riddle upon the harp. Why should I be afraid in evil days when the wickedness of those at my heels surrounds me, the wickedness of those who trust in their own prowess and boast of their great riches? One can never redeem another or give to God the ransom for another's life. For the ransom of a life is so great that there would never be enough to pay it in order to live forever and ever and never see the grave. 
For we see that the wise die also, like the dull and stupid they perish, and their wealth and leave their wealth to those who come after them. Their graves shall be their homes, forever their dwelling places from generation to generation, though they had named lands after themselves. Even though honored, they cannot live forever. They are like the beasts that perish. And this is the Holy Gospel according to Luke, the 12th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, Friend, who sent me to be a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Then he told them a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly, and he thought to himself, What should I do? For I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich towards God. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Beloved siblings, grace and peace to you from God the Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Have you ever played or have you heard of this icebreaker game where you're asked, If your house was on fire and you could only take three things with you, what would they be? Well, we're going to play it this morning. We're going to play it together today. But I'm going to give you just a few parameters. The first of these parameters is that we're going to assume that all of the humans and all of the animals are going to make it out. So you don't need to include them in your list and you don't need to feel guilty about it either. The second parameter I'm going to give you is to not count your cell phone, if you have one, as one of the three things you get to bring. With so many of us having them and the need for us to be able to call 911 using it, we're just going to assume that you'd take it with you. And the third is that you don't need to be totally reasonable in this list of three things. Uh, For example, if you really want to take your bed, Uh, In a real fire, you know, you probably don't have time for that, but today, let's just pretend that we do. So, let's take a moment. If your house was on fire, and you could only take three things with you, not counting your cell phone, already assuming the safety of humans and animals, and already knowing that you don't have to be totally rational, what would you take with you? And if you need more time as you are worshiping with us online, feel free to pause this and come back to it to think about it some more. Um, But here are the three things that I would take with me. One, I would take my purse. Two, my KitchenAid stand mixer. And three, a necklace that my parents gave me after my college graduation. And if you're like me, 
it was really hard to come up with this list. And you all didn't even have as much time as I did to come up with it. But what I would like to suggest is that this list of just a few things that all of us came up with is able to somewhat reveal to us pieces of our identities and what we each put our trust in. I'll pick on my list, and as I'm doing so, I would like you to kind of pick on your own list. First of all, my purse. My purse has a lot of stuff in it. It has a wallet, keys, band-aids, some other first aid stuff, pens, a little notebook, etc. A lot of pieces of my legal identity are in there. And as you can see, I definitely have a need to trust my own preparedness. Next, my stand mixer. Now, I understand that this does fall into the a little bit ridiculous category, and I probably couldn't take it with me in a real fire, but it still very much speaks to my identity and the value of my that I place on my identity as a person who loves to bake and be in the kitchen. I place a lot of trust in my stand mixer to show off this identity to people when they come to visit my house, and because since my... I, <clears throat> I place a lot of trust in my stand mixer to show off this identity to people when they come to my house because my stand mixer lives on my countertop and not below it since I just use it that often and I also think it makes for some pretty snazzy kitchen decor. Finally, the necklace from my parents is revealing of my identity as their child as well as my identity with the, as a person with a college degree. It reminds me of my identity as a multi-generational Badger alum, and I trust that necklace to hold and remind me of the wonderful memories of college and of the stories of health hardships of several of my family members that were happening when I graduated college. So, what does your list of three things say about your identities and what you put your trust in? In this parable of the rich fool from Luke today, we can ask these same questions of identity and trust about the rich man. This person has stored up many, many goods, and it seems likely that he would indeed want to save them in a fire. After all, the story does tell us that he built a whole new barn for all that he had, with his next plan being to relax, eat, drink, and be merry. What does all of this say about his identity and where he puts his trust. We can see how the man's identity has been turned inward on himself. He is finding his identity in what he thinks he has accomplished, that being an abundance of crops and goods, and he has placed his trust entirely in this identity, deciding that he can eat, drink, and be merry, and that he is self-sufficient and self-reliant and needs no one or nothing else. The problem in all of this is that this man has built an identity on something that he didn't actually do, and he has placed his trust in that which will die. He finds his identity in having a wonderful crop, but he cannot make it grow. Now, he certainly tended it and stewarded it well, and it was growing. He certainly tended it and stewarded it well as it was growing, but he cannot make a seed germinate 
or send down roots or send out leaves or flower or make the fruit. He cannot control the sun and the rain. We can help and tend and do all of those good things, but God is the one who makes things grow. The man has made an identity and an idol of himself, but all of that is actually a gift to him from God. The man places his trust in all that he stored up, trusting that it will give him the good life, but crops not used rot are awfully flammable, and in general, were never meant to last forever. And ultimately, the man realizes this a bit too late when he dies. And it turns out his misplaced identity and his trust could not save him. The wealth and menagerie of what he had stored up could not save him. In the end, it was only going to be God that really mattered. Think back to your own three things that you'd save from that fire and the identities that they tell about you and where they suggest you place your trust. Just like the man from the parable, those things will not save you. They will change or die, or you will change or die. They cannot save you. Now, now, this does not mean that they are bad things, that the first thing on your list to save from your burning house should be your Bible, or that these identities you have don't matter. You can buy another Bible. And the things that you thought of in your identities are gifts from God, and they cannot save you. All of these things can be true at the same time. This is about where we place our trust and find our identity first. And beloved siblings, first and foremost, you are a beloved child of God, and this is made known to you by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit gives you the gift of faith each day to trust this. When you were baptized through Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit, God claimed you as God's own, and it is your identity in Christ that shapes all the other identities you have. Again, think back to some of those identities you came up with. For example, my identity in Christ shapes my identity as a person who loves to bake and cook because I do not have to find my value or my worth in how good of a baker or how good of a cook I am. I find them in Jesus. And when my value is found in Jesus, I can live out that identity of a person who loves to bake and cook as a means to show the love of Jesus to others. When I trust in the promise of life that Jesus offers to the whole creation through what God has done through Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit on the cross, I can let go of the need to trust my own self-reliance and can live into the reality that someday I probably won't be able to cook or bake or stand the way I do now. And that it's okay. Because the love and promise of Jesus will never fade. And this is true for each of you as well. 
When you find your value and your worth in your identity in Christ, you live out all of your other identities as a means to show Jesus' love to others. And when they change, that change does not rattle you. When you put your trust, put your faith in Christ, you can let go of the need to trust the things that fade and instead trust the everlasting promise of Jesus Christ. Dear siblings, you are beloved of God and Christ through the Spirit, and no one and nothing can take that away from you. It is the primary identity to who you are and the primary identity to everyone that you encounter. From your identity in Christ comes yours and others, and all others' other identities as gifts from God, which ultimately belong to God. Each and every day, the Holy Spirit gives you the gift of faith to trust this promise, that when everything else fades away, Jesus Christ remains and is all that truly matters. Amen. We will listen together to the hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness, and if you know the words, I invite you to sing along and join your voice in praise.
Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. And we go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.